Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I am your host, Barbara Barnett. I'm executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, which is owned by Technorati Media, one of the big guys. And I am also editor-in-chief and publisher of the Let's Talk TV blog, which has been in sort of semi-hiatus this summer, but I'll be kicking back up into gear. I guarantee as the season gets closer, I've been like up to my ears in this novel and I'm so far behind. I can't even begin <laughs> to tell you. I keep getting drawn into this world that my husband calls Ersoldunia uh, because my main character's name is Galen Ersoldun. So he calls it, it's like Portlandia, Ersoldunia. Um, and uh, so I just, I'm like so far behind, but I do promise I will get back up in, in touch with Let's Talk TV. Um, and start publishing many more articles on blog critics. There's a lot of TV yes. stuff going on. I am really excited tonight that we are joined by uh, Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, how are you? <laughs> also known as Our Heart Radio, the yes. daytime TV mavens of blog talk I radio. Guess to... <laughs> I guess you could call me that. <laughs> physical trainer is like a big fan so oh, cool. <laughs> she's oh, like Miss General cool. Hospital she's like Miss yeah, General Hospital yeah. totally is. Um, and we are also joined tonight by uh, Jerome Wetzel TV how are you tonight Jimmy I'm fine how are you good it is so good to have you back we have I the know, team I'm so glad you. you're back we I need feel like you're like a month I feel like Dr. <laughs> House after chasing Cameron came back to <laughs> the guys are back. I apologize. It was things beyond my control. No, 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 no. I know, you know, you lost you lost your grandfather and, and, and yeah. we send our condolences to your family, of course. And Thank you. Um, so yeah, no, but we're glad that you're back, and we've got people in the chat, you know, in the chat room, and people in the queue. I see zombies from the sea from uh, GateWorld.net is there, and and we got Meredith is in the queue. We got everybody's around tonight. It's, that's great. We have lots to talk about. Um, I, we're going to talk about the uh, second episode of uh, Once Upon a Time season two in a little while. Uh, and I'm going to do something a little different. I pulled up my review of it, so I'm going to read it. I'm going to—I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's kind of long, but I'm going to excerpt it and just kind of give us a place to start with with our conversation. Um, and that's in a little while. But what have you guys been watching on TV this summer? Last couple. Oh my months? God! Can I say who done it? That show was done. It was—I love that show. I actually do. Done it. You know what that? Who done it? It it was a, a re, it was sort of like a reality mystery show basically. Okay. There there were 13 people they were put in this mansion and one of them is the killer and they had to figure it out and the finale was last night. Wow. And I have to say I pegged the killer about midway through the season. So I feel good like okay, like you have investigative skills, I'm not off my rock. Yeah, yeah, well that's what you do. I mean 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was happy. Well, I know you though. It was it was fake reality TV. Yeah, it was reality. <laughs> I mean, it was. But, you know what? I was like, it, it, like it was just a lot of fun to watch, you know, to try and figure it out, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm, I'm like, I liked all the, like, they gave, um, you know, like, there was riddles and stuff, and anyway. And then also, of course, the True Blood season finale, which I'm very upset. Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, don't tell me. I just got back from vacation late oh, yesterday. So. Jimmy! I'm only, like, I'm I, I promise. I'm very close to being caught up. I'm only a little bit behind. It was a great okay. episode last night. I All really, I, I, you know, I got to say, what I don't watch you? True Blood. Well, I don't watch True Blood every, you know, I watch it periodically. I watch it enough yeah. to stay up with it. I really actually like it, and I actually want to go back and watch it from the Need beginning. Because it's, a, it's really well done. It's funny as hell. But you it's also love Christian one. Um, but so I, I have to tell you, this this was really um, it was a really good episode last night. I didn't realize Wasn't it was it? the finale. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm upset um, because well, I'm upset with a little bit of it. I just I can't say why, but I'm a little okay. bit upset about. Well, Jenny could probably figure it out, but whatever. I won't say it. But no, but I mean, I think they 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 basically they. I'll just say this. They I mean they set it up well for the second for the season seven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I you know, kind of yeah. left us hanging. I think it's going to yeah. be interesting what they do from here. You know, I love all that togetherness. There's, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of togetherness, uh, like yeah. emotion. Mm-hmm. I really, I love the scene. In, love the scene in the church. Love that scene. Oh, wasn't that, that good? That was so that good. Was really it was like one of my that was like one of my favorite scenes of this of the year, really, just because everybody was come together and. It was good. I mean, yeah, there were, but there were, you know, there were aspects, there was a couple things that I was like, what? No, but, um, <laughs> you know, on the whole, I mean, it was a good season. The one thing that I will complain about is, like, they only gave us 10 episodes this year, and I'm really mm-hmm. bummed because I always look forward for the 12 episodes. I mean, I really, and I get it's probably money-oriented, I'm sure, but yeah. if you're only going to do do it once a year and we only get 12 weeks of it, I would prefer 12 weeks over 10 weeks. That's all. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, who knows? So, so I've been watching the newsroom, and um, oh, actually, mm. I, I have the next. I have. They sent me the next four episodes, so I'm like like ahead again. Um, because they had sent four, and last year I only mm-hmm. got the first four, but didn't get any more. But this year. They sent me four, and then they sent me five, and then they sent awesome. me another four. <laughs> so well, that's good. four, five, nine. I have nine episodes, and so I'm up through episode nine. Um, I It's gotten stronger and stronger as the season's gone on. And the best way that I can describe it, because I can't, because it's such an ongoing story, it's, I'm, I'm going to give spoilers if I get really detailed about it, because I'm not mm-hmm. sh- sure where I am. Because uh, I didn't watch last night when it aired, because I'd already seen it, um, so I can't remember where it leaves off. But what I will say is that when I was a kid, when I was in college, um, and Watergate came out, and I I decided my decision to to want to be a journalist was because of Woodward and Bernstein, and the whole you know the the Watergate break in and and um, the integrity and the checking and the fact-checking and the sourcing and the triple sourcing and the quadruple sourcing. So to me, that was like a huge influence on my career, eventual career, even my career just out of college. And um, so I've always, I've always, that's always been a pivotal 
book and a pivotal movie for me and a pivotal moment in real history for me. And what I can say about the newsroom this year, it is, is if, if you can imagine that entire Watergate story turning out after publication to have been wrong by overzealous, spurred by a combination of coincidence, human error, misinformation, and an overzealous journalist. And instead of it being a real story, it actually was a magnificently insane, I'm not sure if it was actually an intentional prank, but what it ended up being is something that really is, is threatening to bring down a network because this is such a huge security, you know, national security oriented story, um, the implications of which are international as far as um, war crimes and at an, our foreign policy, that for a story like that to have been fabricated, but we don't actually know if that's true. Right now, that's where I'm, you know, where it looks. But it's as if the entire Watergate episode had been false. And it didn't come out as false until after it was already, like, Redford and and Dustin Hoffman had already been cast in the roles. And it's like, oh, well, we screwed up. It was wrong. And that's that's where they're going. And I think it's a really interesting exploration of journalism and politics. So if you're not watching the newsroom, you should be watching it. Catch up. Are you watching Mm -hmm. it? I need to watch it. It's two weeks behind, but I love it. It's great, and it only gets better. And the the personal stories as well are terrific. Um, And it's really not until week nine that you really begin to get a sense of where it's going. Hmm. So um, really, really good stuff to look forward to. Ray Donovan continues to compel. I'm still Mm hard-pressed to find one person, one character in that show (laughs) who's actually (laughs) likable. No, not at all. But I, I mean, I like the performances. Yeah. And just, the story is not compelling, but the performances are excellent. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Liam Schreiber, did you see um, Larry David's Clear History last week? I was. Oh, I did see. Yes, I did see Larry David's Clear History. I got a screener. So Liam Schreiber it. was fantastic. <clears throat> you know, it's it's a non-credited. You, okay, you know, it's a non-credited role. Yes. Do you know why? No, I do not. The reason why it's not credited is where does where where does Clear History air? It airs on HBO. Oh, uh, that's so stupid. Oh, that's violation, violation of his HBO. I'm sorry, of his Showtime contract. Oh, it's stupid. He's so, so it, good at it. He is. He's one. I actually didn't recognize him at really? first. Really? And I I adore Liev Schreiber, and I was like, who is this? Is that Liev Schreiber? I knew he was in this movie. I love him. Mm-hmm. I do too. And, oh, you have to see, we saw last night, we saw The Butler. Oh, how was that? I'm think, I'm dying to see it. Okay. It, it was, again, superbly acted. It was just, well, look at the uh, I mean. Huh? Oh, my gosh. Forrest Whitaker, amazing. Oprah Winfrey reminded us all that she can act. That's she great. She acted her Ample butt off. She really did. She was amazing. 
Um, every single performance was great. The presidents played yeah. by such an incredible litany of famous actors doing really tiny parts um, from, okay, so I'm going to give you the list. Do you know who plays all the different presidents? No. Okay, so we have Eisenhower being played by Robin Williams. Oh, God. Brilliant. Brilliant. He really sells it. He's amazing. Let me tell you. Robin can do anything, really. Yes, he can. (laughs) Um, JFK, played by James Marsden. Ah, I see that totally. He he can Mm -hmm. be a great one. Yeah, he's very Kennedy-esque. Yes. He's even better looking than Kennedy, though. (laughs) He is. I just no. He is seriously. I know. I love him. He's like he's more like Bobby Kennedy. He's he's actually much more Bobby Bobby Kennedy. he's more Bobby Kennedy. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I would have asked, but Bobby Kennedy wasn't in it, so they cast him as John. Lyndon Johnson was, and I tell you, it took me five minutes to figure out. My husband was like, "Who's that? Who's that? Who's Who's playing Lyndon Johnson?" We watch Ray Donovan every week. He's like, "Who's who's that?" Oh, it's Liam Schreiber. It's Liam Schreiber. You're kidding. Oh, my God. Totally. Neither one of us recognized him. And we watch. We saw him on Broadway. I mean, we know this actor. We watch Ray Donovan every week. Um, That is so crazy. And I completely, completely didn't recognize him. He was brilliant um, and funny. And then we have Nixon was played by John Cusack. Oh, love Don. Great. I totally see him as a Nixon, too. Yeah, and we see him in the late 50s, you know, as as Eisenhower's VP. And then we see him in 1974, before the resignation. Right. And, um, you know, the change is quite, you know, it's really interesting to see that. And then um, as uh, Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. um, oh, God, I'm having a... I'm happy I can't up. imagine who would play who 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 would look like Ronald Reagan. Oh, Alan even... Rickman. Oh, duh. Alan Rickman. Played oh, Ronald. yeah, totally. I mean, no, I totally see him doing that. Yeah, completely great. He's wonderful. Alan and, Rickman. Wow. And speaking of the newsroom, who plays Nancy? Who would be? Who would you cast as Nancy Reagan? I just gave it away. Not Emily Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, I can't even think. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, the say, other girls in the show would have to be Allison Pill. As Nancy Reagan? No. No, I don't know. Oh, Jane Fonda? Yes, sir, Jane Fonda. Yeah, I love Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Oh, okay. Great. And uh, it's ironic casting at that. <laughs> Very yeah, ironic. Very yeah, ironic. You know. Um, yeah. But it, it's, yeah, it was it was just really, it was, so the acting was superb to me, and I think to my husband, too, because um, we talked about it after. The story, I think, the script, and I think this has been a criticism of, of a lot of film critics, that the, the story didn't, the narrative didn't seem to know what it was. Is it this incredible documentation of the history of civil rights, which it is. I mean, there's no question. Um, I think every child, every high school student should see this movie, if only for that. But then the other part of it, which was kind of this compelling, 
wanted to be compelling story between this butler and his own life and how he wanted to separate that from his his the next generation and his conflict with his son and his conflict with his wife was much more and then his perspective as he sees history pass in front of him to me seemed a little forced gumpish mm. and that i think was a problem because it, it it couldn't be one or the other. If it had been one or the other, I think the other story would have been served better. But it tried to be both at the same time, oh. even and it and it wasn't. It didn't do either one justice. So A plus 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 on the performances, brilliant all the way through. But maybe a B minus on the on the story. On the script, so it gets a B. It gets a good solid B from me. Uh, if I were grading movies like that, <laughs> so now I got off on the tangent. Speaking about Ray Donovan and the news, I got the Ray Donovan thing and the newsroom thing and all that. Perception continues to be a disappointment, sadly. Yeah, I just canceled really? my season pass. Yeah, you know, I sort of. I know they were picked up for the third season today, but or recently, but. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I you know I would like it to go. I would like to see it go somewhere. It but won't. we're back. We're back to mid season one. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. like with the addition of of her husband, ex husband, who's supposed to be some sort of wild card. But we all know she's got a thing for Daniel. I mean, yep. No, yeah, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm sick of the procedural stuff. I yeah, was trying to trim this out when I went on vacation to make room on my TiVo and. That was yeah. a sacrifice. So that's you know that's kind of what's on my. Uh, I don't. Know, what else am I watching? I have a lot of pilots to watch that I haven't watched yet. Um, I've been spending an awful lot of time though writing. So it's like weirdly with the television off all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't had the TV on much when I've needed a break because I've got my setting of my novel is. Uh, even though it's not Scotland, my major my main character is Scottish. So I've got a little bit of Hamish Macbeth going <laughs> from time to time <laughs> just to get a flavor for the land um and the people. And it's kind of a fun, fluffy show. So I've been I've been doing that a little bit. And uh so that's what I've been doing with T V. Uh not a lot. Uh although we got a new television. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'm really excited. We got a new TV. The only, the biggest thing that fits in our space for a TV is a 32-inch TV, and oh. that's what fits. And we have this beautiful oh. Bose. We have this beautiful Bose home theater, so it's great. Oh. We have wonderful sound, and the TV is actually great. It's like a, you know, a Sony Bravia fancy schmancy TV, smart TV. So it's really, really good. It's got uh, every, you know. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's not yeah, but it's like you know what though it's 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 like 1980p and it is um with a 240 refresh rate, so it's about as good a picture wow, nice. as you can possibly get on a 32 inch TV. It doesn't they they didn't make the 4K TV in a 32 inch, but this is about mm-hmm. as close. By the way, okay, speaking of Sony 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's the thing. 
I, you know, we have a lot. It used to be you could go to the movie theater, and then you had IMAX. You know, you could either go to a regular movie theater or you could go to an IMAX if you were lucky enough Mm -hmm. to be by one. And I have gotten incredibly spoiled by a, a movie theater in my area that has a Sony 4K screen. And Ooh, the Sony, I get the C 4K. Yeah, we have a movie theater. All the theaters in it are Sony 4K screens. Wow. And the Sony wow, 4K, lucky. and I like, I was like, we went to the theater the first time, and this is before I ever heard of Sony 4K. And I was like, wow. And, and not to mention the fact it has like almost lazy boy reclining chairs in it. It's pretty. Oh cushy. man. I leather, think I need to find one of these leather chairs and and a, and a bar. It's got a bar. Oh my god. In the movie. It's very cool. Um anyway, so um the first time we went to this movie theater, it's called the Randhurst Theater, it's in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Um and we went to it and I was like I said to Phil, I said we, we, we I was really disappointed because we weren't gonna, we weren't able to go see something in IMAX. I was like, Okay, well let's go to the Randhurst, at least the seats are comfortable. So we went to the to the Randhurst and the screen is almost as big as an IMAX screen. Oh my God! It is, and and it's a small theater. So you're in this smallish theater. You want to get there early because you don't want to sit like you, you like there's seats to go up, and then there's like a pit, so you have to kind of watch up. But the screen is almost as big as an IMAX screen. Wow! So I'm it have is to really. Like, see if there's one here in Seattle because that sounds perfect. It's great, there and is. the sound is, is the sound is amazing. And, you know, we were actually, we were at the mall because we were doing some shopping and we were going to go, we went to see the butler and the the movie, the butler was actually playing at the mall where we were. And it was, it was also an AMC, this is an AMC theater and it was another AMC theater. And Phil said, okay, well, is it playing here? And I was like, well, yeah, but you know what? I mean, the screens are really tiny here. Let's go to the Randhurst where the screens are. These ginormous, but not IMAX. And you don't really need IMAX for a movie like The Butler. No, mm-hmm. not for The Butler. Something, you know, like yeah. uh, World You know, we were sort of like, are we going to see Elysium, which we still haven't seen, or Wolverine, yes, I which see we still haven't seen. Um, My you brothers know. loved Elysium. They said it was amazing. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll see it. We'll see it um, eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> anyway, so what well, else yeah, you got? Did, excuse me, did you see Man of Steel, by the way? No, I we rarely go to the movies. I wait for yeah. them to come around on HBO and Showtime or whatever. For that one, I'll probably buy it on, in 3D when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, don't even buy it. Don't right, even you have a 3D, it. right? You have a 3D. Yeah, I have a 3D, Steel. so. Yeah, Man of Steel was, to me, unimpressive. The first well, it wasn't even that. Um, it was that they they totally screwed with the whole entire legacy of the freaking the whole story and to begin with the whole entire existence of that of Superman is that you know he hides himself as Clark. That's that Clark meets Lois at the Daily Planet, and that's how they that's how the whole that's how the legend begins. That's the whole they spent fifty years. With Will, when is she going to find out? Is she going to find out? And they finally did that. They completely shattered the whole entire mythology of this particular movie by by 
by making it different how they met differently. Now yeah. you know, the ending is just I, I'm just really Well the ending was all bang up bangs and booms and explosions. Well it was not only that but it that also irritated me because this whole in the first two I'm gonna say regular suit the first Superman movie, Superman two, I mean his whole thing is protecting the people. I guarantee you he would not be slamming into buildings and a whole building's coming down and bringing it into the city and all those thousands of people that died. I mean, I just don't I mean, I get that it's the 21st century and that is like the big, huge thing and that I people know. are going to, you know, they want the big stuff. But you need to keep it in line with what the story well, is. to me, a legend like that. It's something, it's not like yeah. a something that was just made up. I mean, you know, it's from 19, you know, I mean, it's endured all these years, and I just was mm-hmm. so angry with what they did. I just thought well, they always have to update. I mean, I think it's glaringly, one example that comes to mind recently is, you know, Star Trek Two, the In the Darkness versus Wrath of Khan. You know, Kirk and Spock, both, spoiler alert, die in the same way in those two movies. But in, you know, the old movie, he goes into a room, he turns a crank and pushes it down, and the new movie has to swing from pipes and kick and whatever yeah, they have to do these like, days. But, okay, but, but I didn't mind that. I, 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 I loved Into Darkness. I really did. I did, I, too. I, I that was great. the only thing I complained about. But to me, yeah, you know, I to mean, me, it's, it's the di- – okay, so – but you can do it. And I think Into Darkness, okay, that scene notwithstanding – does a really good job of building character and narrative and doesn't lose it. Yeah. No, Maxfield lost the narrative in the last uh out last forty five minutes. Now, another good example, okay, X Men first class. To me I haven't seen that. It's sitting on my TV right now. Never yeah, I, ever I lost the thread. I thought it was really, really, really well done. Um I did not watch the Patrick Stewart uh, X Men movies. I'm kind of an oh, X Men. I'm an X Men purist, I suppose. <laughs> I grew up on the comics, and mm-hmm. it was like the only co- that and Batman were the only two comic books. Well, no, I suppose I watched. I read Green Lantern too. Um, okay, and Green Hornet. Um, but, <laughs> never mind. Aside from these fifty other comics. <laughs> no, no, that was and Archie and Archie. I read Archie. Um, but but those were the main comics that I read. I mean, I didn't read Superman, and I didn't read any of that other stuff. I didn't read Hulk. I had, you know, I had the TV show when I was a kid. But, were you but, more Marvel know, than DC? So, huh? Were you more Marvel than DC? You know, I never thought about it that way, because I really loved a Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose that's true. I mean, I was really kind of X-Men, and... It was darker, and I really had a thing for Cyclops. <laughs> I really did. Oh. <laughs> a real thing for Cyclops. I, I, I don't. I think that was first. My first true um, pop culture crush was with a comic character, comic book character. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of a purist. When it, see, I've got really really good comic bona fides. I've been a you know I'm a, an X fan, an X an X Men fan. Um, so, but so I never saw the movies, and because uh, I was like, oh, my, I'm really not going to like them, and you know, it's like, oh, oh it's Wolverine guy, and because he wasn't in the group that I grew up with. Not the original, no. No, and I was like, well, he I was big when I was growing up. And so I, I really was kind of turned off by that, to be honest. Oh. So, um, so I didn't see them, and I, I will, I will. Um, 
<laughs> you should accept for X Men Origins Wolverine. Skip that one. Okay, so so I watched X Men First Class, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, this is gonna. I didn't quite get back to basics because Cyclops wasn't really Cyclops, but and as I said, he was kind of my favorite guy. Um, and but but I really liked it a lot. And one of the things that it did extremely well was it held on to the narrative. It didn't forsake. Yeah, there were explosions and there was all kinds yeah. of chaos, but oh. but it never lost sight of the of, of the story, and including including Magneto's you know in, including um, Michael Fassbender's character and his angst, you know Magneto yeah. and his. And the the other did lose. I mean, it lost me. uh, Frankly, it lost me when even the father died of a freaking heart attack. And then, oh no, it's a tornado. Right. Like what the hell? Oh, you mean in 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 uh, in in Man of Steel? Yeah. 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 So I you know I didn't I didn't really care for Man of Steel. I, I saw almost all the superhero movies this summer. And um, I, I thought they were pretty good. I, I thought they were pretty good. I, I thought Into Darkness was the best of a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, good. That's the only, that's the only one I saw. <laughs> that's the only one you saw. You saw the best one. So yeah, I've been um, a Star Trek fan so Oh, so so there is another show that I started watching. Mhm. Okay. I started watching Broadchurch. Oh, oh I know. Uh, it premiered the night I left for vacation, so I haven't got to it yet. But yeah. I can't wait. I saw. I've seen the first two episodes. Uh huh. And, and it's it's very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. It's a very okay. it's very masterpiece mystery, even though it's on BBC. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and it's it's actually, and I'm glad I didn't see it on BBC America. No slam against BBC America. But there's just way too many commercials. Oh, I, I will agree with you any on that. Do they, are they cutting stuff out, or are they just you just have to fast forward? No, you just have to fast forward. But you have to fast forward okay. like twenty. You have to fast forward like twenty that's minutes. Annoying. It's like oh, yeah, that's annoying. I, I mean, I recorded it on BBC America. So as long as the complete story is there, because PBS when they are British shows. Like Downton Abbey, they re-edit and cut, and that drives me crazy. Yeah, I actually, yeah. oh, you know, I actually watched Downton Abbey Revisited. It was a PBS, um, mm-hmm. like, quarter weekend, which drives me crazy. Um, but I was I was kind of captured into the Downton Abbey Revisited, which didn't tell you much of anything. Um, <laughs> but the one thing they did say is when you, when you, when you uh, contribute, after the first episode of season four airs in January, mm-hmm. they will send you the entire thing. So, <laughs> but it's one hundred and eighty dollars, um, or twelve dollars, or or twelve dollars a month. Um, twelve dollars a month is twelve bucks a month. No, twelve dollars a month still. But, well, do they send you the Blu-ray at least? No, but it's but it's the American version, I'm sure. So who cares? Oh. Um, I don't watch the American edition of Downton Abbey. Sorry, I'm a Downton snob that way. <laughs> um, but Broadchurch is definitely worth a watch. Okay. Um, very intriguing. It's murder mystery that unfolds in I think it's mm-hmm. eight episodes. And yeah, I think I know I'll like it because I'm first totally up my two, alley. Yeah, it's very atmospheric. It's very British. 
um, and the first two episodes have aired. So, um, but you can get mm-hmm. them. The first one you can get for free on Amazon.com. Oh, so, cool. if you want to see like it. The one I believe is still re- is it repeating again on BBC America. Yeah, the third one's not till like Wednesday. Yeah, so I I actually put it on my DVR. I got a season pass for it. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. So I've been watching that, and I actually saw great uh, great performances. Um, I, don't, I was like, I don't know why I was watching so much PBS this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great, uh, um, and I have to watch it when it's not a contributor weekend. Mm-hmm. But it was about um, how the Jews created the Broadway musical, and it was like a history of Broadway, and it was like, oh. it was really cool. So it was like, that's my people. Because it comes, you know, the, the song in Spam a lot, you know, mm-hmm. about can't have a hit if you don't have a Jew on Broadway. Yes. It's actually, uh-huh. right. and there was a funny story told about Cole Porter, who's not Jewish. He's one of the very right. few of, of that first wave of uh, Broadway people, Broadway uh, lyricists and composers, who wasn't Jewish. And um, he actually started, and they were playing some of the melodies that he did in, in his successful Broadway things. And there was actually very, very strong hints of, of Jewish motifs in his music. And it was like, that must be it. Um, but there was a great, okay, so I learned something I never knew before. Oh. I always was, I could have sworn on a stack of Bibles the JPS Bibles, not the NV Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Way to clarify. My Bible, not your Bible. Um, I would, you know, that Ethel Merman was Jewish. Her original yeah, name was Ethel, Ethel Zimmerman. She's not? And she played, you know, I mean, no, not I didn't at all. know that either. I always German Catholic. German Catholic. Wow, that's interesting. I never yeah. knew that. And yeah, I, you know, you never knew. watching it, and my husband, who didn't want to watch it at all, um, got captivated by it. People didn't know either. And when they said the thing about Ethel Merman, we looked at each other. Immediately, both of our fingers flew on our computers to IMDb. <laughs> no, <laughs> not to IMDb. Onto, um, there's, a, there's a website called Jew or Not Jew. So you could sort of, uh-huh. like if you, it's like a it's like a game that we play. It's like if we want to find out if someone's like Jewish, you type them in. Because like there's a big rumor that was like when I was growing up that Harrison Ford's Jewish. It was like, well, Harrison Ford's not Jewish. How could Harrison Ford be Jewish? So you type them in. It's like, oh, his dad was Jewish. I see. Uh-huh. Same, same with De Niro, except De Niro's mother was Jewish. So um, it's like all very, yeah. So it's a, it's a game we play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you went on a big dark secret Funny. of the tribe. Um, so, but anyway, so no, Ethel Merman is not Jewish, and I was like stunned. My husband's laughing at me. So I thought that was real. So that's how I spent my weekend with PBS and seeing the Butler. That was a very highbrow weekend. So that seems to me like a really good place to segue to Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Oh, there was one other new show this week. Alex oh, Scott. Oh, um, uh, Low Winter Sun. It's on AMC, which, of course, is like the best network on television. 
Um, and it's based on a British series of the same name that was only a two-hour TV movie, but it stars the same main actor. And then oh, it also the has, again? like, Lenny James. Ooh, Ooh I like Lenny James. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's like a murder mystery. In the opening scene, the main guy, I believe the actor's name is Mark Strong, um, is convinced by Lenny James, they're both cops, to kill a fellow detective. And then David Kotzebile, who's done in suits and damages and a um, uh, bunch of stuff, Unbreaking uh, Bad shows up, and he's the internal affairs investigator investigating the detective that's dead. And then we start to wonder if Lenny James was on the up and up and if he had his own motivations, and it quickly spirals into this whole big complex mess of people with shifting motivations and stuff. Okay. Low Winter Sun, it's called. Yeah, it's on AMC. Uh, I think there are two episodes now because it's airing after Breaking Bad on Sunday nights. And and the first one was excellent. And there's another new show, which I started to watch, but eh, not so much. White Queen? How did you know that? Because it's on Stars, and you said you started to watch it, but eh, not so much, and I haven't got to it yet, but that's how I feel about basically anything on Stars. Well, but I like Pillars of the Earth. No, 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 no. Now, wait a second. (laughs) No, no, let's not disparage Stars. Wait, wait, what's the name of it? It's it's called White Queen. It's based on um, the novels of, okay, somebody help me out here. Um, Oh, my gosh. She writes all of these novels, uh, romance novels that take place during the medieval days. Um, Oh, okay. But she's a she's a romance novelist, and, and it's on they're stars. At, yeah, it's on mm-hmm. stars, and it just doesn't strike me as being um, so great after the first twenty minutes. It's about hmm. the War of the Roses. Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, gosh, what is her name? It's going to drive me crazy. Um, but Kathleen Turner is in it. No, 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 Not no, no. Kathleen no. Turner, who? No, no, no. the the uh, the person who writes the novels that this oh, is based the, on. Oh, um, gosh, she's she. I think she's the one who writes the, wrote the Lyman Chronicles. Um, I, uh, I okay, so it's going to drive me crazy. Never mind. I'm not going to think about it too much. But anyway, but but stars, you know, stars has good stuff. We we liked. Um, I liked Pillars of the Earth. I thought that was really well done. Um, a couple years ago. That was before I started watching Stars. Yeah, I've, I got okay. Stars for Torchwood Miracle Day, which was pretty good, but not yeah. as good as the previous Torchwood. And then oh. ever since then, yeah. though, everything that they've premiered after that, I've been pretty eh on. I mean, yeah. Magic City, I mean, yeah. um, Boss, I, Da Vinci, yeah. Demons, they've all been eh. Yeah, you didn't like Da Vinci. Da Vinci's, no. Da Vinci kind of went downhill a little bit. Like, I was really excited, like, yeah. the first two, three episodes. And then it just kind of petered out, and I'm like, what happened? Like, I don't, I think they, like, they don't, I don't know if they don't plan it out enough. Like, they have all these great ideas for the first, like, two or three episodes to hook people. And then it's like, if I feel like they just kind of give up almost. Now, is I don't know. Is, or they lose it, sight of what their their yeah. plot is or what their main, yeah. like, if they get convoluted too much. Now, so then, now isn't, is, isn't Black Sails going to be on Stars? Yes, it is, which has me a little worried, but that one I'm looking forward to, so we'll I see. am, too. I'm really sorry that I missed all the Black Sails stuff at uh, Comic-Con. I just oh, got yeah. Comic-Con out, and I just 
anyway, so let's switch <laughs> to Once Upon a Time. Now, we I are promise both. I have a regular listener um, who is very tapped into the Rombell community, um, the Tumblr, the Rombell Tumblr, and she's a she's a regular listener and um, a regular fan of my uh, column. And um, she asked me if, uh, and she's actually on an Alaskan cruise. Lucky woman. Um, yeah, I'm, like really jealous because I've been to Alaska twice, and I really love Alaska. Not oh, my goodness. That's one of my goals to go there and visit. Like, my daughter's going to Alaska next week. I'm really, really jealous of her, too. Oh, um, I want to go back. Um, well, there's still glaciers to go back to. Yeah, exactly. Ah, did you guys hear about the fire in Idaho? That's really scary. No, no what what fire? Really, the, the worst. It's being mm-hmm. almost classified as the worst fire in the Ever? history of America. Really? It is the entire. It's the size of the entire metro area of Denver. Oh my God! What and the hell? How did that? Oh, that's awful. Well, it's the heat, it's the it's the climate change that makes yeah. the conditions. Anyway, um, to go from the sublime and the sad to the ridiculous. All right, so I promised that I would talk a little bit more about some of the things that Jane Aspinson said on the Blu-ray commentary for Miller's Daughter because it's not on the regular DVDs. And as much as I generally do not... Um, I do not advocate, like somebody said, oh, such and so is on YouTube. And I appreciate that information, and I thank the person who told me, but I don't believe in, when DVDs are reasonably inexpensive and they can be borrowed from libraries and stuff, and most people have DVD players, I have a Mm -hmm. really hard time saying, oh, you know, Beat the system, go on YouTube and get all the goodies. And I have a real as as a as a novel as a hopeful novelist, but as a an author who has intellectual property and has seen her intellectual property be put up on this or that peer to peer service or torrented so that people get it free. I don't have an issue with people reading my stuff, but I don't get any royalties on that on anything that gets pilfered. So right. um, I totally get that. And so I don't really advocate it. Anyway, be that as it may, what I do not have an issue with is, and I'm not going to give a blow-by-blow of it because that would not be nice either, but because the commentary for Miller's Daughter with Jane Espenson was not on the DVD, but only on the Blu-ray, I thought I would give a few more details than I did last week. Not going to give it all away, but I will give a few more away, a few more things away. Have you guys seen it? Listen to it? Chrissy, you and no, I talked about it No, I don't, I don't have week. a Blu-ray. I don't have a Blu-ray. Okay. No, I did get to, I, so I was watching the special features right before I called in tonight because I got my Blu-ray right before I left for vacation and just hadn't got to it yet, but I did not get to any commentary. Okay. Commentaries, by the way, Jimmy, are quite good. Um, uh, once upon a time, I, you know, I used to love commentaries. I rarely have time for them anymore. But yeah, if you I, say that I should good. check these I mean, out. The, the only one yeah. that I thought was sort of eh, you know, was sort of meh, was, mm-hmm. um, um, oh, 
gosh, Katie, I wasn't I wasn't calling you out, my dear. I appreciate I appreciate the information. Oh, I do. No. I'm not I'm not at all admonishing you. I promise. You I value and cherish you as a as a listener and contributor to this show. I just got Aww. tweeted. I did not Aww. meet I I please don't take it that way. It was not meant that way. Um yeah. and she says she actually agrees with me. So okay. <laughs> um okay, so cool. Um so uh oh, the one that was sort of meh, I thought was the one with um Jenny Goodwin and Josh Dallas. And anyone who's out there listening in Twitter land, tell me if you think I was right. I just you know, they they only commented on the parts they were in. Yeah, um, that's true. Do you notice that? Well, I was I, mean, I was yeah. watching the little um special features the, another exclusive to Blu-ray special feature about a fractured family tree. And Emma couldn't even name like Rumpelstiltskin's wife or anything when they were asking her. So Ginny Goodwin. So I was like, yeah, not the most uh, informed people about the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I thought that was true, and um, I I thought the best comment there, there were some really good commentaries. I thought the best commentaries were. Uh, it's not going to be a surprise to either one of you. I know what you're gonna say. Oh, it was Go a commentary. Ahead. It was a commentary on Manhattan with yeah. uh, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis and Robert Carlyle. Yeah, who is not ever shy about speak. He he is shy about speaking about lots of things, but who is not? Um, he's not only going to talk in the scenes about the scenes that he's in. And, yeah, see, and he I, actually, that's what we want to hear is like everything, not just. Yeah, I mean, and he talked you. about working with he talked about working with Colin O'Donoghue, right? And he talked about working with Lana Paria, and he talked about working mm-hmm. and how wonderful there was a scene, and he, he talked about how wonderful Jennifer Morrison was, and he says, I, you know, I really think that's about the best work I've ever seen her in is that one scene, and and you know, he really talked. Yeah. And about working with Michael Raymond James, and he really talked about working everyone. He talked extensively about the phone call that he makes, you know, that Rumpel makes yeah. to well. I mean, it that was really, one of my favorite scenes ever, seriously, of, at least for season two. That yeah, well, that was re- one of my favorite. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I just got it. Interesting email offering me an interview with someone. Ah, sorry. I didn't mean to read that while I was on the air. Um, can't read it out loud either. Ha, ha, ha. Um, okay. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really well done, and I thought it was really insightful listening to him speak about his process. Uh, did you did you listen to it yet, Chrissy? The, the no, commentary? not yet. I haven't listened to it yet. I think I talked a little bit about this last week, too. Um, When he comes back and he talks about um, the whole thing with baby and coming back from war and and the whole thing and and really feeling it very intensely. Yeah. And very personally. And and even makes mention to Adam Eddy saying, hey, you know, you guys know my history, and this was so personal to me. Yeah. And that's really, I love that you know, he, 
Well, I love that he was with them during the commentary. And yeah, yeah, and last year he was cool. with Jane, which was great. And I think both both was I think he feels comfortable with them, and I think he I think he actually felt more comfortable with them than with Jane. With Jane, I think he was a little reserved. Um, yeah, but with last these guys, he seemed yeah. a little reserved. Uh, I don't yeah, think he, he likes was. doing these commentaries so much, but he's really very insightful about it. Um, he's he he looks. At, one of the things that is really interesting about the way he looks at any show or any work that he's in is he's an artist. And I guess, I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, if he wasn't an actor, he's said a few times, if he hadn't have been an actor, he would have been an artist. And um, he really talks about scene composition and acting in a very painterly sort of a way. And so it's always really interesting to hear him. Anyway, so I said I would talk a little bit about or give you more details about um, the Jane Espenson commentary. So I'm going to do that. And so I'm just going to go and um, and go through my notes again and, and add some things. Um, I, I told you last week, Chrissy, that the and, – and I am embarrassed to say I did not pick it up when I saw it, but the spinning wheel scene is really um, an homage yeah, to Ghost. that's so funny. <gasps> Ghost. I can't believe that you didn't. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. We need to mm-hmm. go to Daisy and Demi Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a potter's wheel, it's a spinning wheel. Yeah. And uh, she was wondering, too, you know, in, in when, when Rumpel has to kiss somebody, if his makeup, like, they have to go and do, like, a cleanup yeah. job. <laughs> his makeup flakes off. And, um, you know, she said, I, I didn't see that. So it must stay on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was amusing. It's like, you know, it looks, looks so, like, it, it, it's, I mean, especially in Blu-ray, it looks really sparkly. Mm-hmm. It's really sparkly. It's hand, yeah. Yes, almost gold. You know, almost gold. It's green, but it's gold. See, everyone says a crocodile. I don't think he has crocodile skin. He has a crocodile outfit, but crocodile skin. Um, and that um, that uh, Rose McGowan, that Cora, you know, it, it, she really was going to go planning on going with Rumpel until that last moment when she Aww. made the decision. I, and I really love that scene. Um, I like that because, I mean, you know, it was just such a turning point for her in her life. And then even how the ending was with her, you know, she was just like, you know, lifetime would have been enough or whatever, you know. Yeah, when it would have been enough. Died, I mean, what a, it would a have tragic been enough, story. Yeah. It's a really tragic story. Yeah. And kind of story of Rumpel's life. I mean, it's, you know, loss after loss after tragedy after loss. Yeah. I wonder the guy's a mess. Um, you know, and, and, and Jane spoke also about, um, you know, the whole concern among part of the fandom about, well, you know, if he's loved Cora, his love for Belle is meaningless. And it's just not true. Yeah. Well, you know, she said, she said, it's just, it's just not true. I mean, look how long he's been alive. Right. And look at, you know, I mean, how many, he, he, he would, of course, have been in love more than once. On the other hand, she said, if you notice, Cora's kiss, their kiss did not transform him. 
Belle's right. kiss no, began it wasn't to take the love. curse away. Right. And Belle's kiss, Belle's kiss transformed him. And she mm-hmm. was transformative like no other person that he's loved. Right. And so, you know, it's possible. He loved he loved Belle, he loved Cora, and he loved Mila too. Right. So right. and that Jane's favorite favorite scene in the entire episode was the phone call. And she talked about it having almost in the early stages of script development, how that scene had almost been lost. Ooh, Not because anyone oh wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would have upset me a lot if I'd have heard that and then see it in the deleted scenes. That would have been. I think that they, at that point, though, I mean, to be honest, they owed Rumble fans a lot by the time. Yeah. We didn't get hardly anything. I mean, yes, the scenes that we got were meaningful and stuff and were, were you know, right. plot-driven and stuff. But I'm just saying, if they had if they had cut that, I would have been really upset. And then to find it on the DVD or whatever, I would have been really upset. So I'm glad that yeah. they kept it. Yeah, it no, it, it was a pivotal moment. It was. It was a huge character. moment. It was a huge moment yeah. for the characters, and a very important moment for the characters. She says it wasn't. You know, nobody wanted to get rid of it. It was just almost lost because it was a very long script. Um, yeah. She also noted that um, in the scene where Cora finally betrays him, and mm-hmm. says, you know, she, it's just not going to happen. She's gonna. She took out her own heart. That right. um, he'd, uh, you know, the question is, did he know? I mean, this is a guy who can see the future, but he looks shocked. Right. Yeah, he looks he shocked. Does. Looks really stunned and betrayed. And so Jane had asked uh, Robert what his thoughts were, and and that's actually really interesting because all of the people, all of the guys in the commentaries, all talk at various points about. You know, they had asked uh, Robert what he thought about this or what he thought about that or, you know, and, and give – so that's kind of interesting even in the commentaries he's not on, obviously, which is most of them. But that his feeling was that he had seen it. Robert – this is Robert – had said that, yeah, he thinks that Rumpel knew, but up until that end, um, to the betrayal – he hoped he was wrong. Yeah. Um, that yeah, he sees the future that. and sometimes yeah, the future sees isn't accurate. And he hoped that that's what he was seeing, was something that was not an accurate portrayal of the future. And his right. disappointment is because he really hoped um, that he had been wrong. So that was kind of a nice little insight. So those are a little bit, a few more tidbits than I gave last week. So I want to talk about, we are both in the time that we have left. And like I said, at the top of the show, um, I want to, as a kind of a, of a starting point, read my commentary on it. Cause we're going to have my comp, cause there is no commentary on the DVD. So we're going to have my commentary, okay. which is, I guarantee you as nice as if it had been Robert or, well, I mean, come on. To be honest, I mean, of course, we'd rather hear Bobby's rendition, but that's okay. <laughs> and I can't even do the Scottish accent very well, so it, it's incre- in fact, it would be embarrassing to even. Tr- I can do an English accent, pretty good, but I would even be no, 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 no. You know, it's funny as I'm reading because, as you know, in my novel, my characters are almost yeah. all English 
They're not all. They're almost. They're almost all British. There's a, right. a Galen Scottish, um, but but Simon is British and Anne is British and Sophie is every almost everyone else is English. And as I'm reading the novel, and I'm reading it to myself, I read it out loud because when you read something out loud, you pick up all the problems and the right, rhythm. Right. The way that I write fiction, even nonfiction, is everything has a real specific rhythm to it. You yeah. can't hear the rhythm when you're not doing it out loud. So I read it in an English accent. So if I slip into an English <laughs> accent, you'll know why. Because that's what I've been doing all day today. Okay, so I'm going to read this. Um, I might skip parts of it. Um, there was certainly a lot packed into this week's episode of Once Upon a Time, We Are Both. Writer-producer Jane Espenson has once again knocked it out of the park with a great script that really sets season two into high gear. With Emma and Snow through the portal gone and back into a devastated fairy tale land, David in a des- is desperate to recover them, desperate enough to strike a deal with Rumpel. But the heaviest news comes in the form of an experiment and an answer to the question of what happens when a Storybrooke resident crosses the border into the non-magical world of Maine. Trying to experiment, Sneezy takes a tentative step across the line between Storybrooke and the rest of Maine. As soon as he does, all memory of his existence as one of the dwarfs vanishes. And when he steps back across the line, his memory doesn't return. It is a devastating blow to all of them, now trapped as ever in Storybrooke. Of course they can leave, but that would mean they would never remember who they really are. This hits no one harder than Mr. Gold, whom we see packing maps into a case in his shop. He is clearly about to embark on a journey, the culmination of all his manipulations, the creation of the curse, as well as its breaking. All of it has been his grand plan to find Balefire, the son he lost so long ago. The news is a terrible blow. Everything, all the planning, all the magic has been for nothing. Taking his frustrations out on the glass cases in his shop, the last we see of him in the episode is standing desolately inches from the boundary that separates him from where he might find his son. He is trapped. It is not only the storybook border that becomes an impenetrable boundary. The boundary between this world and the realms of fairy tale land fortified by portals governing access is insurmountable as well. In fact, this episode is really much about boundaries, how they confine us and define us. Boundaries can keep peace. Boundaries can also be toxic, corrosive, and eat away at us if they are imposed with force and keep us prisoner. But the lack of boundaries can also lead to chaos. The characters of fairy tale land live in such chaos, two identities existing simultaneously. But as Charming finally tells the frightened residents of Storybrooke, they have to embrace both sides of their personas to thrive, the weakness and strengths. For now, each of the characters is trapped within their own cursive dual and dueling identities, as Jefferson so eloquently states to Charming. It is a worse. It is a curse worse than the one to which they had in which they had been, because now they have the knowledge of who they were, and who they lost. There is a knowledge as well between good and evil, with at its nexus the lure of ma- power of magic. Even when the sort of power possible with magic is initially intended for good, it can be corrupted to something sinister. Nowhere is this more evident than in the parallel stories of Regina and Rumpel. It goes on and on. This is a really long commentary. <laughs> no, it's good though because it, they go on. They keep going. They keep going to 
to sort of remember us, to remember it? Yeah. Um, um, so, okay. I mean, I, no, I, 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 as far as, like, me goes, I was, like, um, I liked that kind of, like, at the end of that episode, you know, Charming is up on the truck, and he's just like, listen, you know, you have to embrace what, who you were, but we are both people now. And you've got, you know, you have to, like, come to grips with it. Because I think people were just kind of freaked out, to be honest with you. Right. Pulled right. down. And I think that, that that last scene of him doing that really kind of was like, okay, we need to kind of deal with this. Because I felt like they were sort of running away almost, you know. They just didn't want to deal with it. And then when when Charming got up and, you know, did his speech and kind of motivated them to be like, you know, we are both. Yeah. And, and I love there was a part there where he said something like, you know, something about Dave, but I can't remember what the line is, but I was just like, oh, my God, because he knew what a putt, you know, David was. Right. And that, you know, he, yeah, a part of him is still that person, and he has right. to kind of deal with that. And I thought that was kind of, it was a really good way of, of you know, kind of get having everybody come to grips with the reality of the situation that, hey, yes, we were, you know, we didn't have our memories, we, we were lost, we didn't know who we were, and then all of a sudden... You know, now we now we are both. You know, now we're back to our old selves, but we also part of the part of our other story, Brooke selves, is now part of us. I think that's what he was trying to say in that right. speech. And I thought it was. So, I mean, I, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so it was a good speech, but what really bothered me about that scene is, well, first of all, there weren't that many fairy tale characters like escaping. But some of the ones that were would never have left in a million years, knowing they'd lose their personalities. I'm sorry. But the Blue Fairy or Archie or, you know, Ruby aren't going to cross the boundaries and give up. Uh, I just yeah. bothered me that they were the ones. Like, I could see, you know, Geppetto driving to the edge of town, you know, not being able to find his son and everything. Right. I could maybe see, I could maybe see Grumpy because unlike, grumpy not, not to, uh, not to, um, disparage your great commentary, Barbara, but Sneezy didn't take a tentative step. Grumpy shoved him across the line. You know, yeah. so I could see Grumpy well, feeling guilty yeah. there um, and wanting to forget about that because they really just skim over that, and I feel like there should have been some guilt there explored. But, yeah. you know, I some of the characters that drove to the line should not have been there, and it just felt like a you, you let's use who's convenient casting lies instead of a true exploration of motivation. Well, they needed to get there and they needed they needed to get the info back to Gold that uh he was sort of trapped. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed a little too convenient. That's the only thing. Yeah. And and I mean I I felt so bad for Gold. I mean, when he was you see him he's packing all the maps and everything and then boom, it just comes crashing down and oh my God. When he when he started breaking the the um the glass cases, I was just like, oh my god! Like it was, I was went back to that skin deep scene where he's we slam, you know, where he breaks all yeah. the glass and the curio and all that. I was like, oh my god! I mean, this guy has waited so long to find his son. He he you know he he created this person. I mean, how many hundreds of years has he had to wait? He finally gets to the point where oh my god, he's going to be able to go and find his son. And if he goes across the line, he's not going to be able to. Remember who he right. is. I mean, the level of frustration. I mean, of course, you know, Robert Carlyle played that excellently. I mean, it was just amazing. But 
it's just like, it, I mean, you get it. Just as a viewer, I was upset. Cause I'm like, oh, you are kidding me. You know, after all know. that, it was all for I nothing. Know. And, oh, man. But, I mean, of course, Manhattan was just. Yeah, this is what I said at the end of the review because I asked questions um, about, you know, about the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Rumpel has just seen everything he's put in place crumble just beyond his grasp. And I have to wonder if he's contemplating crossing that boundary, no matter what the cost hope of finding Balfire and setting things right with him. But if he does, he loses all his power and identity as Rumpel, and likely the means to find Bay. On the other hand, he may be considering, calculating, conjuring some sort of new manipulation. But I think not. I think he's confounded by this turn of events, and there's no easy way out. I also think his entire focus will be on acquiring a way to destroy the barricade between Storybrooke and the rest of the world without having to sacrifice his magic. Yay! Um, this plan to find Balefire has been the entire core of his existence for a very long time, and he's not likely to lose focus when he's come this close. As for Emma and Mary Margaret, how interesting they find themselves with a new ally imprisoned in the fairy tale land wilderness. The circle closes. As there they find Regina's mother, Cora. How do you think that alliance will work out? <laughs> that was crazy, man. When she came mm-hmm. out of the darkness like that, I was like, oh, no, the shit didn't stand out. <laughs> it's like, and the fact that Snow, well, the fact that Snow was trying to kill in the next episode, of course, I mean, that, yeah, it ended with that, but in the next episode, Emma's just like talking freely, and Snow's like, don't tell her what's going on. And Emma didn't get it. Like, why, why? What's the problem, you know? And really? It was just, you know, it's just funny. But, um, I mean, I think that that we are both ultimately was, I just think, uh, um, trying for each character to really, truly find themselves again. Mm-hmm. That's really what I think the bottom line was for that that whole episode and, and like where do they go from there? You know, they have to regroup and, and, um, you know, I, I actually liked watching it again. You know, it's so funny because I hadn't, I saw it air and then I never re rewatched that episode until just recently. For yeah, this. Me either. Me either. Yeah. And I actually liked it. I, I liked watching it again, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I picked up new things and I, um, so I think it's important that everybody, like maybe rewatch season two because yeah. you know, when you're in the middle of the season critiquing everything, whatever you're like, you know, you miss a lot of things. And I love that we're doing this because going back and being able to see, you know, catch more and like understand it more and as a whole. Oh, you know? I agree. I think that, you know, and I think I said this last week too, I said, you know, I was really pretty critical of the series in season two. Um, For a lot of the episodes, and as I go through my reviews, I haven't done that, but as I go through my reviews, um, you know, I'll I'll probably see that. But watching the the DVDs, um, you know, watching the episodes in succession, it really comes off a lot better. Um, Yeah. I have to confess, fast forwarding. You don't have the and I also have to I also have to confess fast forwarding through that other big momentum breaker, which was uh, the Mulan Aurora story. Mulan and Aurora stuff. 
I love this episode for mm-hmm. for Regina. I mean, I, all through season yeah. two, I was on a Regina kick, and this episode had some of the best Regina moments. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, totally. I definitely. agree with you on that. Yeah, she's definitely. wonderful. I have to say, Lana is such – she is so good at Regina. I just – I mean, she but commands – Yeah. Well, well, one thing that really stands out to me is, is that um, scene where she's – talking to young Snow. And, man, I I mean, she looks just like Jenny Goodwin, but she is such an over-actor. But Lana, like, not only plays the scene well opposite this over-actor, but, like, makes it seem she's in the moment with her and almost yeah. makes the whole thing for, it, you know, there's, it would be really easy to have a disconnect there and Lana really sells it and makes it work even with yeah. the young actress overplaying her hand. She does. It's really incredible, really. She's she's such a wonderful actress. Seriously, I you know, in rewatching all of these episodes, you know, even season going back to season one, I mean, you know, you just she is from that very first scene. I mean scary mm-hmm. as all hell. I mean, you do not want to be in a dark alley with this woman. <laughs> you know? but no, you would not. With Henry, when she's admitting to not knowing how to love very well and getting back in touch with her vulnerable side, and you're like, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. And, you know, and, and that's the thing, and I also said, and we've spoken about this before, it's just that I feel like, I feel like with her, you know, I keep thinking, okay, well, maybe her story is supposed to be about redemption. But, mm-hmm. but honestly, I just think that she... I think that 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 Rumble brought out that she she is she is I don't know that she is redeemable. I really don't. I mean, I think, I think the difference is. between like you do. I think like Gold is more slash Rumple is more because he he's cursed. There's a difference. Regina is organically. But evil. you see how she was in this episode as a young woman right. before she was right. playing magic, and then you see her trying to get back to that with Henry. And yeah, she's broken pretty bad, and it's a long road back. But that she's made a choice that Cora never made. Cora chose to give up her heart and turn her back on love, whereas Regina grasps at those straws of love and tries to work her way towards it. She's not always successful. But there's that effort, there's that momentum on her part, and that's where I think she could save herself. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, like, because I liked, I loved in the beginning, yeah, when we saw her as, like, a young woman, and she, she was in love, and, and all that, and then even when she first met Snow, all of that, you know, it was very sweet and everything, and then, and then, you know, the other the other major problem that I had had originally with the whole story was this, that, you know, I, don't, I didn't understand you're going to blame an eight-year-old girl, you know, for telling your mother about your boyfriend. I mean, she's eight years old. It's not like she's – so I didn't quite understand why she, she just had this horrible hate for Snow. I mean, that was the motivation. That was the reason. I That kind of part I didn't like about it, but – um, I mean, I I do think that ultimately, I mean, if she can be, I don't know. I, I I'm going to reserve my right to rescind my my previous <laughs> <laughs> my previous statement, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I do think definitely that Rumpel's journey is redemption because you know he's oh, yeah. and and what happens, you know, once he he becomes human again, you know, is he going to? Then he's got to deal with that. So, um, obviously, well, I, that's, you know, I mean, I think I've always said that um, fundamentally, 
even though it may not have started out that way in the pilot, the first couple episodes, ultimately, even though nominally this is Snow White and Prince Charming's story, yeah. because Grump, because nominally, um, I don't think anybody cares half as much about them as they do. Yeah, yeah, well, this is this is what I was going to say is that I think ultimately the story driver is really Rumpel's story, mm-hmm. and, well, and his his his, his 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 narrative arc, his character arc, um, is so extensive. And if you look at all the other characters and you look at their arcs, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you can't you his arc because he touches his story touches everyone else's story. Yeah. Just about yeah. everyone else's story, and you That's can't true. say that of any of the other characters. Right, Evil Queen. Yeah. yeah, she's interacted with most of the story, but not all of them. Yeah. Well, if you if you listen to Chrissy, it's actually the Blue Fairy who's the, yeah. the real driver. I'm still saying Chrissy makes an extremely convincing argument. I will give you that. <laughs> Maybe she can well, I'm telling you, there's we're, we're one shady, time uh, mother superior. There's a reason everyone <laughs> she's <laughs> had her hand in 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 a lot that has been put into motion, and she's she so has, much in the background. Absolutely. She yeah, is. She is. She is. is force. I would agree with that. I mean, seriously, like. Like, it's going to be really interesting. I really hope that they're going to give us some more stuff with her this season. Because, you know, if you remember, I mean, way back to the first episode of the, of the show, period, I mean, she was the driving force about, you know, the curse is coming and how are we going to protect, you know, it was her idea to have the I mean, she set in motion a lot. And I would not be surprised if no matter – you know, we've seen how Rumpel became Rumpel and all of that. I, I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if she's behind that. She's the driving force, the driving force that 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 kind of brought, you know, made that made the other guy, the Dark One, you know, put the seed into the Dark One's mind, you know, to go to, to I Rumpel. I wonder. Okay, uh, so here's an idea. I have an idea. You just gave me an idea, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. So what if she right? She's the one who put the original dark one, the beggar guy, yeah, yeah. in Rumpel's way, right. so that he would become the dark one. But by coming becoming the dark one, he would eventually do you know do something to redeem the entire fairy tale land, and and it's her you know whereas the curse. Rumpelstiltskin has set the curse into motion for his own motives. That that right. if, if what you're saying is that the Blue Fairy is actually the one who controls the world, yeah, that's um, that she actually sees Rumpel as a some sort of a vessel or mm-hmm. you know means or something to um, as a redemptive character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And yeah. Then, you know, he with a scene where Rumple realizes everything, and he's just in a room with her. And yeah. It all comes down to that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It might be. I mean, like seriously, it's just it's just kind of you know, and the fact that she's so much in the background, 
is very telling because that's, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you're watching the right hand, but you should be watching the left hand type of the situation. No, she has been yeah, more consistently a... evol- involved in appearing than any other reoccurring character, for sure. Yeah, so, totally. So if you look at it as like a Campbellian, you know, heroic quest. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's like Rumpel is, is Luke Skywalker and the Blue mm-hmm. Fairy is Yoda. <laughs> So what you're telling me is the Blue Fairy is going to die halfway through the series, and then her ghosts will do the motivating. But she'll still be there in a hologram. Exactly, exactly. A ghost that appears and gives him and speaks into his head. And sort of like, you know, whispers in his his ear. And And is replaced by a Muppet. Gives him funky, yeah, gives him funky candles. Wait a minute, we need a CGI, uh, you know, blue fairy now. <laughs> a CGI blue fairy in with a lightsaber. Oh God! Star Wars lights. Well, you know that wand. I mean, Rumpel's got that great wand that sort of glows. He's got well, several that's wands. True. He's got all kinds you know, of stuff in his repertoire. Well, it's he's hilarious. So, could you imagine if he if he brings up a lightsaber at some? <laughs> I used to also, see him, you know, him and the Blue Fairy do with their wands. That would be lightsaber-esque. That, oh, yes, it would be very totally. lightsaber-esque if they had a duel with the wands, mm-hmm. the Battle of the Wands, because they really, yes, yeah, they, they both wield mean wands. But, you know, it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility if mm-hmm. a lightsaber turned up, because now the Disney that's owns true. Star Wars. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. It'd be, it'd be hilarious all of a sudden. Yeah. Or no, just in the or no, actually, you know what they could do? I mean, even in Gold Shop, they could have, you know, a little a like Yoda doll or something in the back in one of the cases totally. or something. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the tales of other worlds and fairy tales, Han Solo might come flying into the That's story right. at some point. That's Queen. Break Here out, we come. Break out Luke Skywalker again. If we can Star throw in Frankenstein and the Wizard of Oz, that Star Wars could be go. in there. I can start Vader invading storybook. <laughs> I would love to go to Bible Land and meet Jesus, though. Oh, yeah. is, that a, is that a world that they can visit? Ooh, depends on if you so think maybe. it's mythical. So you have to know if it, if it's if it, if you think of it as mythical. I think. Well, I, I think yeah. they would get in big trouble if they tried to do that. <laughs> I know, I they know. They would. Said, oh my God, it'd be hilarious. Could you imagine? I can't see. Like, okay, I, what show am I, I watching? I somehow cannot see Adam Horowitz and uh, <laughs> and, and Edward Kitsis doing that. Yeah, they're spiritual. They're definitely spiritual in some manner, whether yeah. yeah. But well, yeah. now, what about Wonderland, you guys? I'm anxious to see this. It looks mm-hmm. so good. I've seen the trailer. I'm actually here on um, the MediaNet site to see if there's anything new. Well, um, um, Ariel, Ariel's casting came out Ariel's recently. been cast. Um, and, I'm actually going to bring in Meredith, who has the names of the first oh, six episodes. Okay. First six episodes. So hang on a second. Alright. Hello, Meredith. Hi, how are you? What how are you? I'm all right. I thought it was an doing? opportune time to bring you on because you sent me you've been doing a lot of little uh snooping eyed, you know, like kind of gathering of intel on the upcoming season. 
And you actually have the names of the first six episodes, I think, yeah? Yeah, well, it's a rumor about um, the sixth one as far as being titled Ariel, but uh, but yes, the others are all confirmed because uh, M. Horowitz keeps heating the, the yes, front of the does. script on this one yes, website that I so, go to so, regularly. So tell us the names of the first six episodes, including Ariel, which is episode six. Okay. Well, the first one is called The Heart of the Truest Believer. Uh, and I think, you know, that that's probably means Henry, but who that knows. Sense. Second one's called Lost Girl, and I've heard it. I know the last, first two seasons, you know, they always have the second episode about Regina, but uh, this time it's supposed to be about Snow White. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I'm pretty sure from the pictures, that's supposed to take place right after she wakes up from her sleeping curse. Oh, that's hmm. interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh, before, yeah, before, uh, you know, Lady of the Lake and uh, the cricket game and all that, you know, maybe when mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out their game plan for how to take back the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and episode cool. three? Yeah, I w- okay, well, episode three is called Quite a Common Fairy. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, that's uh, kind of a quote from J.M. Barry, who wrote, you know, the bridge on Pier book. Yep, that's my guess, Tink. Yeah, yeah, it'll be an introduction to her, but I've also heard it is also a Regina-focused episode, so maybe the two know each other. Ooh. And don't forget, too, don't forget, too, the whole, there's a whole big thing yeah. in Peter Pan about belief. Tink is yeah. going to die unless oh, you believe right. the heart of the truest believer. Kind of gone. One more. Oh, I, I don't know the to know. Has to, uh, you know, connect to that because Tink requires that we believe. Right now you've got four on the back and three on the front. They're not even. That's why it's. That's what? Right. What? What's happening? Hello. <laughs> what? Hello. What? Um, We're okay, hearing so, all this like conversation. <laughs> what's episode number four? Oh, well, the first uh, Rumpel-centric episode, it is Yay. called Nasty Habits. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Okay. Now, Chrissy, if this is not a sign about what we've just been talking about, <laughs> yes. a nasty habit, what nasty. does the other – what does the mother superior wear? She wears a mm-hmm. habit. I'm, I mean, going to say he's going to go, he's going to slip back into his rumple ways. I mean, well, you know, but, I'm but, worried about Henry, though. See, no, I think that is right. There's got to be a blue fairy component. Well, 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 yeah, I mean, that's where I was getting at. But we know that Rumpel is on this essentially but, suicide mission, that mm-hmm. he's right, willing and 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 he has said, Carl, Bobby Robert has said, and Adam and Eddie have said, and Jane has told me. All of them have told me that in order for him to save Henry, he's going to yes. have to tap in to his very darkest self right. and risk and 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 fulfill, be willing. He's going in knowing that he's going to be fulfilling the prophecy and he's going to die. Right. And he's willing to do this. And in order to do this, he needs to do the right thing. And this is a direct 
quote from either Adam or Eddie. Um, to do the right thing, he will have to become the darkest version of himself, and we will see a rumble that we have never seen before. Wow. Rap quote. That and, is what he told me. But who's behind it? I still say the yeah. fairy is going to have something okay. to do with it. This is why I'm thinking nasty habit. It's a play on words. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think it's a direct reference to her. I think it's probably more about him. And um, and I have heard that uh, Dylan Schmidt will be back as the young Balfire, so maybe we'll find out how he got out of Neverland. I will try to confirm that with his mom. Sherry, if you have that would be cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you know, you never did see, you saw him arrive, you know, and be put in their clutches, but you never saw him leave. And wouldn't it be heartbreaking if Rumble came there for maybe a deal with, say, Ariel or someone, and he never knew his son was nearby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd that be heartbreaking. heartbreaking. The curse could have been avoided, all of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still think, as I said, I still think that, you know, the idea of nasty habit, if ever there was an episode that we wanted to play Blue Fairy against Rumple, mm-hmm. that would be... Okay, and episode number five, because we're down to the last few minutes of the show. Um, what's episode five? It's called Good Form, which, of course, is a very good That's pirate right. term, you know, good mm-hmm. form, bad form. Right. You know, Dustin Hoffman said it all the time in Hook. Yep, fair cop mm-hmm. from, from Hook. Yeah, right. and I've heard that they're going to be showing Hook's backstory as far as, you know, before he even met Rumple. I mean, like when he was a teenager. Oh, See what happened with his father, maybe. Interesting. We need to see Hook and Balfire's past as well. Yeah, which That's I'm sure will be there. So that should be. So I'm guessing that we'll see a lot more of Dylan Schmidt this year. Well, because he's a growing boy, and his uh, scenes would be only in Neverland, where you're not supposed to age. I think maybe the next one will probably be the last one. I don't know. Unless, I'm going to see if I can. In our modern world. Yeah, I'm going to see if uh, if I can get a hold of his mom and just get a hold of Dylan. I know they both follow me on Twitter, so um, we will. I will see if I can get get hold of one or the other of them, and maybe even get one of them on, get get Dylan to come on the show for a little bit. That would be awesome. I interviewed him great. a couple of. I interviewed him during season one, toward the end of season mm-hmm. one, um, and it was really interesting because he he's pretty young. I mean, he was like, I want to say thirteen. When I interviewed yeah, him, yeah. he looked and about I've never, I, I've never interviewed a 13-year-old before, and uh, so that was uh, that was quite That's interesting. Fun, huh? but, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I've interviewed like kids and stuff, but it's it's cool because they they have just a whole different outlook, yeah, on things. Yeah. And I yeah. love so now their couple, point of view and yeah. stuff. Yeah, now he's a couple years older, so it'd be kind of fun to interview him. I think they live on the island, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yes, so um, so with lots of good things coming up, and of course, episode six is Ariel. So next week um, we will be back on the air. And what episode are we going to look at? Um, well, let's see, we how gonna, many more weeks do we have before like, the new? Like season? five, six more weeks. We have six more weeks. Six more. So we can get in six more episodes. Well, I I mean I think definitely we need to do Crocodile. Hello. Yeah, yeah, we need to do Crocodile. Um, let's see. I'm taking a look here at what we have, what to do. 
Um, yeah. We have, uh, oh, let's see. Yeah, we got to do crocodile. Let's do crocodile. Maybe let's do crocodile okay. next. Okay, that sounds good. And then, um, yeah, and then okay. uh, Tallahassee, maybe. Yeah, I love Ooh. that one. Yeah, Tallahassee for sure, and Manhattan. And into the deep, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, into the deep is another. Deep we'll, one. we'll we'll see what we, can. we we don't have time to do a lot of them. We have to pick. I, I will I will look at the episodes over the next week and pick five more. So, um, okay. all right, and then all we'll right. get ready for the season premiere. All righty. Well, it's been great speaking with everyone. It's good to have everyone back around. Yeah, we have the full team today. Jimmy, you have to go watch True Blood so I can talk about it. I will have it watched before next week, I guarantee you. Okay. Very good. Okay, I can't believe we've spent almost an hour and a half here talking television. (gasps) It goes quick. (laughs) It does go quick. So anyway, well, I hope to see you all. Sorry, I hope to hear you all next week on another edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I'm your host, Barbara Barnett. I am here this evening with the usual gang, Chrissy Piccolo, our heart Chrissy, and Jerome Wetzel TV, um, who both write for blog critics as well as have their own shtick. Follow Jerome Wetzel at at Jerome Wetzel and follow Chrissy at our heart Chrissy. Our Heart Radio, sorry. Our Heart Radio, Radio. yep. Jerome Wetzel TV and Our Heart Radio. (laughs) And we are joined again to talk Once Upon a Time stuff with Meredith. Thank you for joining us, and I will see you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. You too. Bye now. Bye. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.